Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it's been a tough, tough few days, folks, uh, for I think all of us as individuals, just collectively as a nation. And I've kind of wavered back and forth between feeling uh, gratitude in a way that, that I have this this means of talking about things that it's almost therapeutic to come on the air and, and talk about all of this. But at the same time, I was wishing that I didn't have to. Uh, so it's tough. You know, yesterday, and, and my son was on the ice yesterday, and it's it just, it hangs over everything. And all the parents there, you know, it's it's like everyone's been saying about that community of hockey. It's a place where, where friends get together, where families gather, and you socialize and you catch up with people. And this kind of hangs over everything. And it was something people were talking about, but not wanting to talk about. Uh, because of, of how deeply sad I think we all are as a nation. Trying to come to grips with this tragedy has left 15 people dead. A bus crashed the Kurds in rural Saskatchewan late Friday. That's basically wiped out an entire junior hockey team. It's, it's almost incomprehensible. And watching these kids on the ice, these 12-year-olds skating around, all of them with dreams in their heads of being in that position, being on a team where you're important enough to get on the bus and go to your playoff game, where you have those moments as a team where it's just you on the bus, you and your friends, you and your peers, you and your teammates, and those lifelong bonds, those lifelong friendships you form in those moments. And that's what these kids aspire to. And that's what makes it so hard to comprehend that that's where they were. That's what these young men were doing when their lives were snuffed out. The head coach of this team, assistant coach of this team, young volunteer statistician on this team, team's young aspiring broadcaster, and all of these players, right? It's just, it's, it's at a level where it's almost, you, you struggle to comprehend it. And so that's what we've been going through the last few days as a nation, trying to come to grips with this tragedy and trying to find the way forward. Uh, there are some some updates to get to today, and I want to bring into the conversation uh, our colleague Adam McVicker is a video journalist with Global Saskatoon. has been doing an amazing job covering all of this. Adam, thanks for making some time for us here. Uh, thanks, Rob. Now, you were just at the news conference just a, a short while ago here, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League providing an update. Uh, what, what's the takeaway from that? Well, what the SGHL is doing, according to President Bill Chow, is they are starting what they're calling the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League Assistance Program. So this is going to be a separate thing from the GoFundMe. That's all going towards the, the team, the Humboldt Broncos. But he's thinking of the future. The SGHL is thinking of the future of its league and the future players in this league. 
and this will be a, a resource for players for uh, mental health services and grief counseling. And so uh, this will be for the 11 other teams, and it sounds like they're thinking more of the long-term impact here. Sheldon Kennedy spoke uh, at that press conference as well, and of course he was in the 1986 uh, bus crash uh, with the Swift Current Broncos, and he said, you know, at the time of, you know, the, the supports came in, but he says based on his experience and one of his main takeaways was that the long-term impacts is something that really needs to be addressed, so the SJ, SJHL is, uh, is getting out in front of that, creating this program for their players. Right, and and that's clearly needed. And I know there were a lot of questions for him today about the the Nippon Hawks and the Estevan Bruins and what these uh, young players are going through right now and the grief that they're experiencing, but yeah. the uncertainty about what happens next for them as hockey players. And then that's the thing, because as of right now, they were they were in the middle of playoffs. There are still teams uh, up in limbo right now, but what's going to happen? So. Uh, SGHL President Bill Chow did say um, he's spoken to many teams, not so much about hockey, but they're going to start talking about this in the coming days. I believe he said Wednesday the Board of Governors has a conference call, but Wednesday at noon, and then they're going to start to, to kind of piece together what to do here when it comes to hockey. Uh, but, of course, hockey uh, the last couple of days hasn't been really on anybody's as mind. It's been kind of the furthest thing from it. So. Mm-hmm. They're working on that as as the days move on. Now, there's been some talk as well, and this came up at the news conference, uh, about the amount of money that's been raised, $5.6 million. It's an incredible figure that's been raised through this GoFundMe page. There are a couple of other avenues uh, now for, for fundraising, but where, where does the league, where do others envision uh, all of this going? So as it sits right now, that GoFundMe page is strictly for the team, the Humboldt Broncos. There's That won't go to the league. That won't go to anywhere else. That will go strictly to the Humboldt Broncos organization, that $5.6 million. Um, this this uh, SJHL assistance program, that is a completely separate uh, entity, and that will go towards the league. Uh, of course, Bill Chow said that you know the SJHL not a wealthy league right now. Um, but what he said is that corporations, people, and and businesses they can donate also to this fund, the assistance program for uh, the mental health services for the remaining eleven teams and players down the road. Uh, now, in the days ahead, uh, of course, we had the the uh, memorial service yesterday. There were about three thousand people uh, packed into the uh, Humboldt Arena, the Elgar Peterson Arena. The Prime Minister was there as well. Uh, but in terms of funerals uh, for the the individuals who have passed away, is is, is there any sort of of timetable for for that? Well, I spoke to Pat, the pastor, the team chaplain, this morning, and based on what he told me, none of that information is kind of coming forward right now. Uh, basically, everything everything was focused on the vigil last night and, and the supports for people in town here. So now those mental health supports are coming through. They just recently opened a established a place where people in Humboldt can go to get that mental health and grief counseling today, starting, I believe it opened at 11.15 this morning. Uh, but as for... Uh, funerals and things like that. That information hasn't really come out yet. Things are very fluid at this moment, so as of right now, we're not sure about that. Right. Now, I I know you've been uh, covering so many aspects of this story. There's been a lot going on today. Now, were were you at the news conference uh, earlier that the Ministry of Justice uh, No, that was was in Regina, actually, but we were watching it for quite a few minutes uh, here, uh, live streaming, of course. Right, because I I think a lot of people are, are... 
trying to to comprehend how this could have happened and, and what these two families are going through where there was apparently a mix-up when it came to identifying one of the players who had been in hospital, one of the players who had died. Uh, and as it turns out, a player who we were told had passed away is still alive uh, and a player we believe had survived, in fact, did not. Yes, and so... You know, as, again, another example of the fluidity of this situation. What we gathered from that news conference in Regina with Saskatchewan Justice, the coroner's office, RCMP, is that based on the the trauma, all the players have the same haircut, that, that humble Broncos tradition of the blonde hair for playoffs. And they're all the same, similar ages, and they're all hockey players. So similar ages, similar sizes, and, of course, similar builds. Uh, and they're all, you know, athletic. They're all hockey players. So mm-hmm. there was some difficulty, of course, uh, throughout the process of trying to identify that. The, the coroner's office, Saskatchewan Justice, apologizing uh, to the families for the confusion and says and said that the families were notified immediately. And they did say at the press conference that there is understanding coming from the families just because of how chaotic and hectic things have been here over the last 72 hours or so. Yeah, un- unbelievable. Well, more at uh, globalnews.ca slash Saskatoon. Adam, appreciate the update here. Thanks for this. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. All right. Uh, our colleague Adam McVicker, a video journalist with Global Saskatoon, who's been uh, covering this story really since uh, Friday afternoon, doing a great job uh, keeping everybody up to speed on what's going on here. So you can just imagine that the chaos in these, these hospitals in Saskatoon and in Regina. Uh, there was one Facebook post uh, from one of the doctors over the weekend that went viral talking about uh, his first code orange, the kind of thing you learn about and you train for, but you hope you never have to encounter a code orange, a mass casualty event. And that's what this was. I believe there were three Stars Air ambulances dispatched to the scene, patients being taken to both Regina and Saskatoon. So at this point, it's unclear what happened with this mix-up, whether it was someone at the hospital who eventually figured out whether it was one of the families. Perhaps we don't know. But just adding to, to the grief and the heartache and the turmoil that these families are going through, that kind of confusion and how that kind of thing can happen. As Adam mentions, all the players that dyed their hair blonde, there's a playoff tradition for this team. These are all young, athletic men, relatively the same age, roughly the same same build. And just how catastrophic this crash was. As difficult as that is to think about. This is Drew Wilby, Executive Director of Communications for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Justice and Corrections, talking about what happened. I don't think anything you could ever say would be enough. Um, I'm the father of three boys, uh, you know, two have spent significant time on buses traveling this province, um, you know, and I can't even imagine putting myself in those family shoes to first get the notice that their loved ones have been in a collision of this nature. And then, you know, to find out that who they had thought was their loved one wasn't potentially actually their their loved one. Um, I, I can't even fathom and I don't think enough could ever be said. All I can do is offer our sincerest apologies, um, our sincerest condolences and sympathies in particular to the Tobin family on the news that they would have received uh, yesterday um, and uh, hope that, uh, that in some small fashion they're able to move on from this and find some level of closure. 
All right, so uh, a tragic and unfortunate development today and some, some really difficult and mixed emotions now for these two families. It was 18-year-old Parker Tobin, one of the goalies on the team, who in fact had passed away. And Xavier LaBelle, who the family had been told had died in the crash, is in fact alive but, but seriously injured. And again, and I mean, it speaks to the very difficult challenge that first responders were dealing with, the paramedics on the scene were dealing with, those at the hospital were dealing with. I'm sure a very difficult and chaotic situation. And as you heard there from Drew Wilby, perhaps some level of understanding and forgiveness from these families who realize what everybody was dealing with, what they were all trying to do. It was about responding to a horrific crash and trying to save as many lives as possible. And, you know, this kind of thing, I know it all feels like most of us might have some degree, two or three degrees of separation to all of this. As it happens, my wife has a cousin who is a neurosurgeon in Saskatoon, and she's not had the chance to, to speak with her cousin, but uh, we knew that this would be something that, that she would be responding to and dealing with. And by Saturday afternoon, I, I think there was enough um, concern or at least questions from within the family. How was she doing? Was she... Was she working? Is she at the hospital? And so we had heard that, yeah, she had gone into her normal shift Friday morning, and uh, this was Saturday afternoon. She had not been home yet. So these uh, frontline health professionals, the doctors, the nurses, and they're working around the clock to do what they can to help those who survived this awful crash. And some of these were indeed and still are, in fact, critical injuries. There's one player who remains on life support, and we've heard that... His organs are going to be made available for donations, so some lives may be saved from this horrible tragedy. Our number here, 403-974-8255-974-TALK. You can reach us toll-free as well, 1-800-563-7770. We're back with more right after this. By the way, the, the latest from the RCMP Saskatchewan is they're still investigating this. Uh, the latest from the RCMP just over an hour ago put out a statement in response to multiple media requests. Saskatchewan RCMP wishes to advise there is no significant update to provide at this time on the status of the ongoing investigation. They say the scope and complexity of this investigation means it will take some time to determine the cause of the collision and the circumstances surrounding it. Now, there's, there's enough there that I think people can start to try to piece together what may have happened or likely happened. I think at this point, until the RCMP come back and point to a cause or point to someone or something being at fault, then we're kind of speculating. We know the intersection where this happened. There are obviously images of the aftermath of this crash, uh, crash which are just uh, they, they doesn't even seem real. You, you see those pictures and you wonder how could any human have survived being caught, being tangled up? In that, it's just unbelievable. We know that uh, a a semi-trailer hit the bus, basically T-boned the bus. We know that the driver of that truck was physically unharmed. But at this point, that's really all we know. And so I think it would be prudent, it would be responsible on on our part to, to take a cue here from the police and... Let them do their work. We will know at some point the cause of this crash, what happened. I think anything else uh, short of that, though, is is speculation and probably not helpful at this point. So that's the latest from the RCMB is that 
There is nothing new to report, and they are continuing this difficult investigation. Uh, All right, I want to go to uh, some audio from today. This is SJHL President Jim Chow talking about the hockey community in Saskatchewan and talking about the SJHL itself, which is a relatively small league, certainly not a wealthy league. And the importance of this league and these teams to their respective communities. The 12 teams that we have in Saskatchewan are community-owned. So uh, community-owned is what it means, community-owned. They're all run by volunteers. There's nobody getting any money. They're all volunteer people coming here, taking tickets, uh, you know, whatever they can do within the rink to help the team be successful. Uh, And so, you know, the one lady in Humboldt here, we were, I was talking to her, and I'm not sure how old she is, and she'd probably shoot me if I told said an age, but I won't. But um, she's a second-generation billet mom. She's had billets in her house since she was four years old. She's got children that are probably 16 years old. So what it means to people in Saskatchewan is that hockey is bred into you. It's part of our life. Um, winters are cold, if you haven't noticed. Uh, springs are cold if you haven't noticed and so you know it's just the way it is Um, you go to the rink you go to the rink because it's part of the community you go to the rink to meet people to talk to people to socialize Uh, and that's what hockey means to Saskatchewan indeed Uh, and to so many other Canadians so a lot of questions obviously here about the future of the franchise the Humboldt Broncos future of the league, the future in the immediate future, in the short term. What about the playoffs? What about the SJHL championship? What about the Saskatchewan representative at the Royal Bank Cup? And these are questions that are going to have to be addressed at some point, but seem secondary, obviously, given the humanitarian situation we're dealing with right now and uh, the deaths of so many, these very serious injuries and what these families are all going through. Now, we're going to get into two issues later on today concerning uh, pipelines and the economy and and some other questions that are certainly relevant and worth talking about today. And the Premier did address some of those issues, which we'll get to later. But I want to play this. This today from Premier Notley just talking about the situation in Humboldt and how Alberta is willing and ready to do whatever we can to help out. I know families in Alberta, Saskatchewan and across Canada are reeling from this horrific event. I know many of you have your own uh, personal connections that we've been uh, talking with each other about over the weekend. Uh, The flags outside have been lowered. Uh, We've been in close contact with Premier Moe's office in Saskatchewan. I spoke with him on Saturday. And our Deputy Premier was at last night's uh, vigil in Humboldt. Thank you for that. Um, We're going to do whatever we can to help any Albertan who um, has been affected by this tragedy. Our thoughts and our prayers are with those recovering in hospital, uh, their families, and everyone who has lost someone that they loved. And uh, I wanted to say we know that that is especially true for the many communities across Alberta who share a very, very, very deep connection to this tragedy and we know are devastated by the loss. Right, and it's probably true of a lot of junior A hockey teams. They draw players from all over the place. There were young men on this humble Broncos team from Winnipeg, from across Saskatchewan, from across Alberta, in fact, 
uh, including one player from Airdrie. And we're going to talk about uh, his situation coming up at just after 1.30. Players from BC. Even a couple of American players on this team. So the immediate impact of the aftermath of this and the grieving is something that's happening right across Western Canada and beyond. We'll have much more on this story. we got a lot more to get to uh, on the program here today. Uh, before we go any further, it is time now for Great Ideas, brought to you by Park2Go Value Valet. No need to search for an empty parking spot with door-to-door drop-and-go valet service. Reserve and save at park2go.ca. Not far from this intersection where this fatal crash occurred Friday. Literally not far. Just meters away, in fact, from the intersection. There are six white crosses. Uh, three of them are smaller than the other three. That's because in June of 1997, a crash occurred at that very intersection. A pickup failed to stop at a stop sign, collided with a grain truck. Six people died in that crash in 1997, June of 1997, at that intersection. And we've certainly heard anecdotally in the days since Friday's tragedy that that intersection is a real cause for concern. It's just north, uh, I believe, of Tidsdale. Saskatchewan. So this is where the team from Humboldt was driving to get to that game. It was supposed to have been played Friday night in Nippowin. Highway 35, where it intersects with Highway 335. Now, it had been reported initially that the truck had T-boned the bus. Whether that was actually the case, I suppose, remains to be seen. I think a lot of people looking at the pictures of the aftermath, that the damage to the vehicles doesn't necessarily line up with them. And again, I think that speaks to the investigation that's going to take place. What we do know for certain is that the bus was heading north on Highway 35. The truck was coming west on Highway 335. Anyone traveling on 335 as it comes up to Highway 35 uh, has to yield right away. There was a stop sign at that intersection for those traveling on Highway 335. So it's the traffic on Highway 35 that, that has the right-of-way. Now, there's also been some concern expressed because in one of the corners of the intersection, there are a number of trees. And from the aerial shots, you can, you can see quite plainly that the other three corners of the intersection don't have that. Uh, so anyone who was uh, traveling west on Highway 335 would have a somewhat obstructed view of the traffic coming north. But again, there's a need to stop. We don't know why that truck didn't stop. That's what the investigation needs to determine. And as we reported the RCMP today saying that there is no update to provide, it's a complex investigation and they say it is going to take some time. Um, Now you may have heard that the uh, coaches of the Edmonton Oilers in Calgary Flames uh, made their way to uh, Saskatchewan yesterday. Uh, I want to play a few minutes for you. This is Edmonton Oilers coach Todd McClellan, who is from Saskatchewan, played junior hockey in Saskatchewan, coached junior hockey in Saskatchewan. A real connection uh, to to this community, to the SJHL. Uh, Today is a wrap-up day for a lot of these teams. You know, they're at the arena packing up uh, their bags, uh, speaking with reporters. And so this was Todd McClellan uh, from earlier today, uh, just talking about that visit yesterday. You know, this is going to sound very strange, but it was rewarding to to go and be able to spend time with that group. And and when I say that group, there's a lot of focus on obviously the the victims and the players that are in the hospital right now. But the the group is is immensely 
are, are much bigger than, than we can imagine. Um, you know, I, I never considered Billet's and Billet's families and the, the, the extended family there, grandma's, grandpa's, girlfriends that are sitting there, um, cousins. Um, you know, the hospital was full of, of those people that were affected by it. Um, the day was full of emotions from every uh, possible range from, from, from pure mourning to, to actually some joy in the day um, and um, it was very impactful so um, those players are, are we use the word hockey strong uh, a lot because they are uh, they are hockey strong you can see them they're young strong lads that that uh, are uh, well they're hockey strong they're, they're, they need to be hockey strong right now and um, they'll fight through it uh, but as I mentioned earlier, the, the amount of support that, that has poured in is, is overwhelming. And uh, as the days go on, it will likely diminish, uh, but that's when they're going to need it the most. So uh, the emergency responders, the people that, that I met yesterday, they're preparing for that. They're preparing for a week from now, 10 days from now, a month, a year from now. Um, and uh, they're tremendous people too. They don't get talked uh, about enough. Um, you know, one thing that I that I recognized uh, in that situation as well is that um, you know it's the humble Broncos. They're, they play in the Saskatchewan Junior League. It's a men's or a, a male league. There was a female on that bus, a female trainer. Um, you know, and everybody asked me, "How are the boys doing? How are the guys doing? Are they are they are they good? Do the do they need anything?" She was a big part of that team too, and she's in the hospital. And um, you know, as they as used the male term, they they kind of leave her out. And uh, I want to bring her back into the team environment. Um, she meant a lot to that team, and and does mean a lot to that community. So, um, and she's going through what all those other players are going through as well. So, um, you know, I believe her name was Dana, and. Uh, or is Dana, and uh, you know I may be wrong. I met so many people yesterday, but uh, you guys can correct me if I am wrong. And uh, but it was uh, it was a rewarding day in that. Um, you know, both the Oilers and and uh, the Flames, the the upper management from ownership down, were very supportive of, of both Glenn and I going, and uh, we're very thankful. Uh, we were lucky enough. A friend of mine, Dave Boucher. Uh, offered his his jet, donated that time, and and uh, we were able to get in and out and do the things that we needed to do. So um, it's amazing how much emotion takes out of an individual. Now, I felt tired last night, and uh, but just looking in, at the families and and what they're going through, they uh, they're going to need some help. Indeed they are. That's uh, the coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Todd McClellan. Todd and uh, Flames coach uh, Glenn Gulletson traveled together yesterday uh, to Saskatchewan. And uh, some reflection there today. And I know uh, Glenn Gulletson was speaking with media earlier. We'll try to get uh, some of what he had to say on as well. Uh, last night was supposed to have been Game 6 of the SJHL semifinals. Game 5 would have gone Friday in Nipple 1, Game 6 back in Humboldt last night at the Elgar Peterson Arena. Uh, that arena was full last night, uh, but it was full of 
tearful mourners. Instead of a hockey game being played last night, it was a memorial service for those lives lost in that crash on Friday. And a very uh, emotional night, as you can imagine, a very difficult night. I want to play this for you. This was quite moving. This was uh, Broncos team pastor Sean Brando kind of going through his own emotions and questions and doubt and grief. And here's some of what he had to say. Are you? I really don't want to be here. But it's good that we are. Friday, I didn't want to go to the game. My, my kids begged me to go to the hockey game. We traveled up and arrived at the scene shortly after the bus and, and walked up and on a scene that I never want to see again to sounds I never want to hear again uh, to greet Chris um, and just feel so lost. Then to go to the hospital and walk around and, and just hear groaning and panic and fear and distress and pain and just nothing but darkness. To sit and hold the hand of a lifeless body and the only part of that song that was just read for about 15 hours that I heard in my head was even though I walked through the valley of darkness, that's all I heard. That's it. That's it. And that's all that went through my head. This is it. This is the valley of death. This is the valley of darkness. And all I saw was darkness. All I saw was hurt and anguish and fear and confusion. And I had nothing. Nothing. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have something. Um, I received thousands of texts. I looked over at Chris and his phone was dead and my phone was dead and we're trying to give answers and uh, thousands of texts. Hey, we're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Be strong. And we needed those. We needed those texts. Your, your families, you needed those texts. And I, I, we needed to hear those things, that the support was much bigger than me and Chris and the families. Four times, four times in the last 48 hours, in the midst of all the darkness, I didn't realize, but four times, four people sent me passages of scripture and I didn't realize what that meant until today. I had understood the support of people and I needed that and you need that. You family members, you need that. You need to hear that people love you, that people care, that people are praying, that you're supported, that you are loved. You'll be looked after in the future. You will, those are important things. But when it was so dark, I needed to hear from God. And only four times, and that's all it took. Four words from God were bigger than a thousand words from any human being. Someone reminded me that there's more of that psalm than we walked through the valley of the shadow of death. You need to finish the statement someone told me. I will feel no evil because you're with me. And as the psalm starts, the Lord is my shepherd. It took 15 hours of darkness 
to really understand that I had a shepherd that was walking with me. I don't don't know if that uh, made it any softer, but it made it better. When we needed comfort and refreshing and came around the church this morning, it was good to hear from God again. Someone to read a scripture. I just want to hear from God. There's two big questions that, that get raised when this happens, or why and where. Why did this happen? I would love to stand up here as a spiritual leader and say I have all the answers, but I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. second question is where? Where was God? That question has two answers. God is on the throne and God is with the brokenhearted. We know that God is on the throne. Jesus walked this earth. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And it says in the scripture that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in control of setting up our leaders, putting people in the place where they need to be at just the right time, for just the right purpose, making sure the things line up according to his plan. I don't claim to understand how this seems like it's in God's control at all, but it is. Let's say grieving and emotional. Uh, Pastor Sean Brandale making what I'm sure was a very difficult speech last night at this memorial service at the arena in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, where a community mourned the loss of so many instead of what should have been a joyous night of hockey in small-town Saskatchewan. Our number here, 403-974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Coming up after 1.30, we're going to find out more about uh, one of these players who survived the crash but faces a long road of recovery ahead. Ryan Strachniski is from Airdrie, broke his back in the crash. Seven hours of surgery on Saturday. He is uh, said to be paralyzed from the chest down, can move his, his arms, can move his head, and has already been talking about getting back in the ice. He's already talked about pursuing... Uh, Olympic sledge hockey. So, yeah, that's that's strong. And that's resilience. And so we're going to find out a bit more about uh, Ryan's recovery and uh, efforts to help support his family through this. We'll have more on that coming up uh, after 1.30. You know, you talk about the connection that this story has uh, to so many people. Or you think about all the hockey teams all across the country. And the hours upon hours upon hours spent traveling by bus. Not just hockey, obviously. Uh, different sports as well. Community organizations. You know, you name it. Even Rod Stewart himself had his own story to share. Rod Stewart, of course, played in Edmonton uh, Friday. Uh, played last night here in Calgary. And so here's what he had to say. Well, you may say, well, why is Rod Stewart 
saying this is because I'm in Canada and they're your kids. And my son, who plays hockey and he plays in this area, has done all those journeys. It just brought it all home to me how quick life can end. So, this is for people. Yeah, that was Rod Stewart. His son, uh, Liam, played for the Spokane Chiefs uh, junior hockey team in the uh, Western Hockey League. Yeah, so even the son of Rod Stewart, I mean, this is kind of, you know, the, the great equalizer of hockey. He's not got his own private jet flying him around. If the Spokane Chiefs have an eight-hour, ten-hour bus ride, they're all on that, that bus. You know, feature superstars in the NHL. They, they all ride the bus. That's what the team does. That's how they get to all of these games. And all of those miles, all of those hours. And it's such a big part of, the, of that whole experience. Uh, so, yeah, Rod Stewart's son, Liam, played for the uh, Spokane Chiefs in the WHL. And it is, you know, every parent's worst nightmare. Uh, and it's difficult Right, that's, you know, for these families. And you dream of your, your child making it to that level. And what does that mean? Well, that means they, they leave home. They go and live with another family. Uh, and they go play their hockey um, in all these different communities. And the way that they get to those games is they're all on that bus together. And I'm sure it's frightening. Try not to assume the worst or constantly be paralyzed with fear about worst-case scenarios. And you think about all the successful bus trips that have happened. Obviously, this kind of thing is extremely rare. You have to go back to 1986, the tragedy that hit the Swift Current Broncos. Four members of that team died. And it's something that people still remember to this day. People still talk about to this day. Really, for anyone. Right, Even uh, at, at the lower level, when you got to hit the road for a hockey game, you go to a tournament, even if you're all going separately, you just kind of worry. And, and, you know, you breathe that sigh of relief when everybody arrives safely. And so for these families where that's kind of out of your hands, you're not there to protect your child and you hope they'll be okay and you hope for the best. But that's still your worst nightmare. And that's what these families are all realizing. So as mentioned, uh, those who survived this crash, obviously their lives are never going to be the same in so many different ways. But we're going to get an update uh, on one particular young man from Airdrie, his road to recovery, and uh, what's being done in the community uh, to help support him on this journey he now faces. We'll have that story for you coming up in a few minutes. Our telephone number, 403-974-8255. My name is Rob Breckenridge. This is Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.